Hello, hello. So welcome to podcast number seven. This is the space in between and I am Phoebe. And today we're going to talk in a moment to Jessica, who has been on here before, a nomad teacher, and her father, Stephen. And we'll be sharing a little bit more about Jessica's journey from the military to where she is now. And Stephen is cycling in an ultra cycling race in June 2000. 19, so next year. And we're so grateful because he will be uh, raising money for our new nonprofit organization, Tribe, which we teach resilience, increased balance, and endurance by sharing the tools of yoga to active military. So this episode will dive a little bit deeper into what that all is and what he's doing for us and, and all of that. So that's coming up. But before we get there, a couple things happening in Nomadland. So last week, I shared with you a um, the tool of gratitude and ways that you can be practicing this uh, 40 days of gratitude, which I have done, I think last week I said six week, six years, but I think honestly, as I look back, it's been probably about 10 years now that I've been actively practicing gratitude this time of year um, from about Thanksgiving to the end of the year. So uh, you can go ahead and listen to that episode and get the tool of how you can participate. And also, if you want to actively participate in our community, we have over at the Facebook group page, Grateful Nomads, everybody's sharing what they're grateful for during this time of year. And it's really nice to kind of help get that attitude of gratitude happening um, collectively, right, and support one another. Because there are some days that are easier than others and some days that are not so easy. And it's good to kind of see somebody kind of nudge you along um, with encouragement. So that's happening over there at the Grateful Nomads Facebook group page. And I will be leading another short series, a four-week series over at Bar, Body, and Soul. This is my new movement class, Movement 109. And it's it's such a fun class and... um, kind of moving your body in a different way than you normally do on your yoga mat. We even get off of the yoga mat and looking at how we hold certain patterns in our body and how to kind of bring them up and release them. So it's a really fun, supportive atmosphere that you can practice. And um, yeah, I'd love to see you there at Bar, Body and Soul in New Windsor, New York. So if you're in the Hudson Valley, I'd love to see you there. And what else is coming up? We have two teacher trainings. So if you're interested in getting your 200-hour teacher training, I'm leading the next one over at Riverstone Yoga in Terrytown, New York. That's happening January 18th through February 15th. And um, I will be leading that with some really awesome teachers, guest teachers there. So um, if you only have a month <laughs> and you want to get your training, join us over there. You can look at more information at riverstoneyoga.com. And I will be hosting a info session. I believe it's December 8th. It's a Saturday. So that's coming up soon. And if you are interested in working with the military, if you're connected in any way, a veteran, an active duty, or a military spouse, or just interested in this community, I am also leading uh, to the Nomad 200-hour at West Point. This is open to our cadets, and we're also opening it up to veterans, active duty, military spouses, or like I said, anybody interested in sharing these tools with the military. And we are uh, offering some partial scholarships 
gifts to veterans and active duty. So if you're interested in being a part of this, it's January through April. And go ahead and apply and let us know that you are interested in a scholarship too. And we hopefully can uh, honor that for you. And what else? There was something else I wanted to share with you guys. Oh, so our 300-hour yoga graduates, teacher nomad teacher graduates, are graduating very soon. I cannot believe it. And we will be hosting their kind of graduation at our winter solstice event at Cosm, which is in Wappinger Falls. And it's a really cool space. We did this last year with our last graduates. And um, it's a really beautiful community event. We'll be doing our yoga mala, which is 108 sun salutations at Cosm. And they will be leading it. So they will be co-teaching this mala. And it was really special event. I was sold out last year. And I really look forward to having a nice full room of some beautiful energy again this year. So I'll have more information more um, next week. And I'll have it up on the website soon. But uh, just put that on your calendar. And we'll get you more information very soon. So with all of that, uh, let's go ahead and listen to Jessica and Stephen. Ready? Okay, so we're here today. We're doing our another podcast and also doing video today. We have Jessica and we have Stephen here today. Hey. Hello. <laughs> and um, we're doing this chat for a number of reasons. Um, but before we say why, do you want to introduce yourselves a little bit? Say who you are. Sure. Hi, I'm Jessica Bugby Poro. It's important to have that um, second last name. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am a uh, student of Nomad and... Um, I am going through the 300-hour training now. I went through the 200-hour training, and uh, you partnered with West Point, and so here we are in the, for the 200-hour training. Here we are in the 300-hour training, and um, part of the independent study, myself and um, particularly one other veteran, Amy, uh, we're developing with your mentorship and definitely other contributors contributors um, to develop this organization called Tribe. Yes. And we are hoping, <laughs> looks like we are, uh, being sponsored by my dad, Race um, for a Dream, and he'll be completing the race across the West um, on his bicycle, which is 900... June 11th. June 11th, June 11th. yes, which is also my wedding anniversary. Yeah. Yes. And uh, so... Uh, so this is my dad, Stephen, and we're looking um, for, you know, his fabulous cycling skills to carry us, this organization that we're developing, um, to bring yoga mindfulness to the military active yes. duty and their families. Um, and yeah, I'm an army veteran. I guess yeah. I forgot to say that. <laughs> I think you might have said, no, you didn't say it, but it's okay. It's said now. Yeah. Yeah. And Stephen, can you talk to us a little bit more? Sure. About your, uh, I guess I'm an ultra cyclist. I think the rest of me doesn't really matter here. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm here to try to help tribe to raise some money for what I feel is a great cause. And, uh, Hopefully, it's going to impact a lot of people's lives. Mm -hmm. 
and I'm just happy to be able to lend a little bit of a hand. Yeah, we're grateful for that too. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the reason why we're here, besides the logistical piece, right? But more of the, the story of it. So um, what is, is there some sort of history behind, you know, your connection to the military besides you being a vet? Do you have family also? Or you sure. We have, well, we have lots of family. I can start with my two brothers who were both Marines okay. and my dad who was a World War II vet who uh, saw a lot of action in uh, the South Pacific, and his aircraft carrier was actually sunk during uh, one of the campaigns there, and he spent a lot of time in the water, and I think he had a lot of issues the, the rest of his life with the things that he had seen mm -hmm. and gone through. So that's... Uh, that's pretty big Im impact on my life mm. and so now with Jess having gone through a couple tours and having some of the same issues that my dad had I feel that you know it's time for us to like jump in and help some other people yeah yeah um I my dad uh, oh, and mom neither one of them were in the military but as dad said um, it was close to home. Both my grandparents, um, they were in the military and my stepfather's, um, uh, father as well. Um, and, you know, just listening to stories of that and something just intuitively always felt good about the military for me. Um, it was something when I was in high school, I had applied to the Air Force Naval Academy and, uh, I received a nomination actually to the Air Force's prep school, um, junior school, um, and uh, I didn't go there. Um, I went to NC State and I spent a semester in Navy ROTC and I went through a lot there. There was some traumas that um, occurred at school and then just me going through the, um, I think the, the guilt and shame of not going to class and the struggle of what am I doing with myself and just being a, you know, supposed to be a grown up um, for the first time. Um, but I felt in Navy RTC, I felt very um, like I had a purpose um, and I smiled. I was on the drill team, the exhibition team. Uh, team which, in fact, we went down to Mardi Gras. I'm saying this as a point because we went down to Mardi Gras and we competed in Tulane, at Tulane University, okay. which is where Amy went to school. Oh, okay. Um, and she was in ROTC there at Tulane University. Oh, how funny. Yeah. Um, but anyhow, um, a few years uh, later, that was in 2000 and 2005, I ended up joining the military. And I know it sounds cliche, um, but it's the truth. I just felt that what better way to serve my country, like to give back to my country than to serve and, you know, of course, gain experience um, into the field that I wanted to be in, which was the medical field. So I was a medic. Mm. Yeah, and you said also, I mean, it just gave you purpose. And mm -hmm. it's interesting that you were saying that you even experienced trauma there, but you still had this purpose and felt this drive because sometimes there's a choice to say, okay, never mind, I'm going to run away from that. Mm -hmm. um, but you stay stuck to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and how did you feel when, when Jessica came and, and said, hey, listen, I'm going to, 
sign up and maybe the first time she told you she was getting deployed, what was kind of going through your minds? I think signing up, I was very proud of her, yeah. having come from uh, several people who were in the military and it seemed to have helped all those who ha had gone and it's, you know, it's a good career path, I think, for people. Mm -hmm. uh, as far as being deployed, obviously I was very nervous, very apprehensive, yeah. having again known people who were in that, those kind of situations, having lost some friends during the Vietnam War. Uh, when I was more one of those activists against the war, I had friends who went in and, and lost their lives. So it was, it was mixed, you know. You're both very proud and very scared at the same time. So, you know, it was, it, it was, it was a tough time. Yeah. Did you have much communication with her? Were you able to... Not a lot of communication. She didn't have a lot of communication going on when she was yeah. when she was over there. Um, so you kind of waited for information to come back to see how things were going. Mm -hmm. So you were always kind of on the edge of your seat to try to, yeah. you know, what's going on now, kind of thing. Yeah. So it's you know, it's tough because you see all the things going on on the media yeah you see that side and you're wondering what you know what's actually happening day to day so mm -hmm. yeah it was it was a scary time yeah and then when she came back you know you did two tours correct yes so um obviously you're very grateful to have her back yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but uh you had a bit of a hard time jess jessica mm -hmm. when you came back and what, would, what did that look like and feel like a little bit, if you don't mind sharing, you know, with your family dynamics of coming back and, you know, what they were kind of... Sure. Um, well, uh, I will say that, you know, they w it was different um, from the going to Iraq and coming back. That was different than going to Afghanistan and mm -hmm. coming back. Um, and I mean, makes sense, right? You experience two different things, although they do parallel each other. Mm -hmm. um, my dad and I, too, during this time, our relationship was kind of, um, you know, up and down. I think uh, just um, our connection with each other. Um, it was, uh, you know, I was busy in the military, too. So um, when we would, you know, we would see each other and, um, spend time together and that always felt good and then kind of got busy or I moved to a different place and um, you know things just kind of got in the way and we were at a place of like starting to kind of heal our relationship I think mm -hmm. and um, but it was also uh, also survival of the fittest I think for me trying to keep my head above water um, as far as uh, just emotions go mm -hmm. um, so when I got back from Iraq, I really was, I was <laughs> getting married um, to someone that I'm now divorced from. Mm -hmm. And we talked about that in the last yeah, podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so there was a lot going on there. And that really was, um, I was kind of a robot. Do you remember um, my, you know, when I would visit with Everett after the Iraq war, I spent 15 months there in mm -hmm. Iraq and um, I did a lot of different things um, throughout the deployment. Um, 
I was embedded with a, a field um, uh, forward treatment team and then for a few months and then I uh, came back to this larger camp and I worked in a level two um, clinic and then I did some other things and then I was on like a catastrophic kill team and then I was on a you know, a, um, a, like a quick reaction force team where I went out with the colonel and um, the sergeant major and um, provided, you know, support there. So, um, and then I then I ended up getting into like a desk job, if you will. <laughs> you know, I was like the clinical admin person and, um, you know, I guess that was good for my career. Um, but when I, when I came back, yeah, I was in this um, very toxic relationship and... Um, I think I had the mentality of everything's okay mm. and not wanting to talk about things, but... Um, yeah, you were pretty closed mouth and, yeah. and just kind of quiet, kind of like everything's okay, kind of joking on the outside. and mm -mm. So not really allowing people in, I think, mm -hmm. probably just kind of doing your own thing that, mm -hmm. like you said, you're okay. Mm -hmm. We have a habit of in our family, I think, of trying to trying to be tough, trying to <laughs> trying to handle things on our own. We we're the whole family was like that. As far as you don't give it to everybody, you you yeah. deal with it. Yeah. So, not the greatest way to deal with things, but no, it, because it inevitably, whatever it is that you you know. You put things on this wick, wick, wicker basket here, and you just keep piling and piling and piling, and eventually it will just give way. And that's, you know, kind of what eventually happened to me. But um, when I came back from the Afghanistan um, war, I was there for 365 days. I know we talked about that too. Yeah. And there I did several different things um, in the beginning. I think like the first four months or so, I did a lot of different things. Um, which was, you know, good and bad. Um, professionally, it was, it was good, but also professionally, it was bad because I was in a very toxic environment, which I soon got out of. But um, the last, I guess, eight months of my deployment in Afghanistan were very, very trying, um, and a very in a remote area. And um, again, found myself in another like a field unit um, and one of three women and. So I was going through a lot of things personally. I was getting a divorce, mm -hmm. going through that process, and also in love with a man that I'm now married to and debating, am I staying in the Army because I was reaching my six-year commitment, or am I getting out, and then what am I doing, and yeah. searching for God and um, you know, having these relationships at home that I'm like are on hold but are really pulling at my heart too. And... Um, and did you, you didn't have a yoga practice at this time? No, I purchased my yoga mat when I was in Afghanistan. So that was in 2010. I purchased it. I remember exactly where I was at the computer, where I was, um, and uh, Camp, Camp Stan, yeah, Afghanistan, and um, Camp Taji, excuse me. Um, Afghanistan and I um, purchased it but it was more of like a place for me to just do ab workouts <laughs> <laughs> and be by myself yeah um, you know and but it was a place that I sat to and I wrote I remember like laying yeah. down and writing and I still use that mat today uh, yeah well something intuitive brought you to I need my own space mm -hmm. of 
just of a pause. It sounds like you were already bringing these tools in. And on the previous podcast we talked, it sounded like you had that sort of, um, these tools of yoga mm-hmm. way back when you were mm-hmm. a kid too, which mm-hmm. we won't focus on today. But, um, and then you found, and then how did you find your way to more of a formal practice? Yeah, sure. So um, when I got back from Afghanistan, I started to become, and I think maybe dad, you could vouch for this, but I was, so no longer was I quiet and a little withdrawn, but I became kind of angry and mm. outspoken. <laughs> I shifted um, okay. almost like a Jekyll and Hyde sort of. Um, okay. But what I was. She looked too. like her grandfather for a while. Yeah. How wow. did you feel? Where you? How did you feel about all that? Watching your daughter transform. I don't know there was you know, because she wasn't reaching out for help. Yeah. It, it's hard. It was a hard situation. Because it was easy to upset her, mm. and mm-hmm. it, it was hard to get to the root of what the problems were because she was trying to handle them on her own, mm-hmm. and she really didn't share mm. that stuff with me so I you know I saw that she was had things going too many things going on in her life mm. and to and too many negative I think probably people around her and I thought you know she needs she needs to go somewhere do something you know Sometimes as a father, you can't say much because you, whatever you say is is the wrong thing to say, <laughs> and you have to kind of wait until mm. till they till you're asked for help, mm. or you know, hey, I want to share this with you. Or so I f- I find that pressing never is a great thing because a lot of times you get things you don't want. <laughs> so if you just kind of let it go and and uh you know my big thing is not to be de- not to be stressed uh i would i know i would talk to jess about things like you know you need to go for a run or you you know yeah i can you, you need to <laughs> you need to go for a hike you know for me since i was very young probably 13 years old i was a runner so no matter what else in my life went wrong, which a lot of things went wrong, obviously a lot of things go wrong in a lot of people's lives, I had that one thing that was always very, very positive. It started out as being positive, just the exercise mm-hmm. and feeling good about myself and kind of getting in touch with my body. And and then I had some success running, so it became, I can do this. And then the competitive part, became something that became very gratifying to me. And competition is funny because it doesn't have to be that you're winning something. It's more about the competing and more about competing with yourself. So it's an inward thing. So even though I'm not, you know, I know nothing really about yoga, but I I guess... (laughs) In a way, I do because I have a lot of the same thoughts as far as how to clear my head and how to how to be positive, and knowing that I had that in my life, yeah. that just feeling of peace because I was doing something that I loved and something that just did a lot for me. I would kind of try to get, you know, just to 
did you run today or mm -hmm. did you, mm -hmm. you know, did you do whatever? Some sort of tool. So. Yeah. Yeah, you dropped off a, um, <coughs> a treadmill at my house. <laughs> it was, and for Christmas running, I would get running shoes, running shoes, <laughs> snowshoes. Yeah, it's and like, this is right. <laughs> and whenever um, we spent time together for quite a while, you know, it was um, doing something really with nature, and um, yeah, that's because that's been a healing piece too. I found. Um, yoga uh a few years ago well three years ago or so i was on a um i guess a health journey if you will um trying to you know fix everything um all at once and um i wanted something that i could do for myself but also that was led but so something that where I'd have like some mentorship, someone guiding me, but also that I could not, I didn't have to interact with other people, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. And so sounds I found myself, yeah, yoga. Um, and that was once I just, I don't know, it became a very meditative, very peaceful, um, very, like dad had said, he, you know, learned about his body and uh, something that I think we just don't know anything about our body yeah. <laughs> as we're growing up. Which is interesting because your training, I mean, you had a lot of PT being mm -hmm. in the military, mm -hmm. which is you're very physical, but there's no real connection to, it's no. more of an instrument. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, and so you've been practicing now for three years and yes. there's been a lot of transformation that you've actually oh, shared about. Um, how did you start to see this, Stephen? Like, how did you see these changes happening, um, from when she started practicing? Um, I think she started changing a lot of things about her life and I, mm -hmm. and I think that not knowing exactly what the time frame was. I know that when you start to feel better about yourself, you start to evaluate all the things that, that you may be doing wrong. Mm -hmm. So you're starting to be healthy. And so all the things that are making you unhealthy, they seem to not be, they, they seem to, they need to go away. So I think that you could, I could see just changing how she was feeling about basically everything. You know, the toxic people in her life, they were, it was time for them to go away. Um, she had some issues with alcohol. It was time for that to go away. Um, she, the transformation just in her body as far as weight and as far as flexibility, the things that you notice, mm -hmm. you know, how people, the gait, the way they right. walk, the way they, the way they talk, everything changes. Mm -hmm. So I guess I saw a lot of change. And all the change was, you know, was for the better. And I, I saw a very mo mo much more positive person who was like feeling like I got this, you know. So yeah, yeah there, was, there was a lot going on. Yeah, I know she just transformed her entire life. It wasn't just a physical physical experience yeah. yeah and how yeah <laughs> how about you I mean how did that I mean obviously 
you've seen this, but how does it feel for you? Um, it is, it's out of body at times, you know, like, uh, stepping back and, um, <clears throat> you know, really kind of looking at yourself and just, it's a, it's a different, I think differently, you know, and it's still happening. The evolution is still occurring right now. And, um, but it's, I guess that's probably maybe that's your higher self, you know, that's the universe. That's just, um, uh, telling you like, okay, look, you're making these internal changes and it's good. You know, you, um, you feel goodness. Um, you really, at least for me, that's what's happened. Uh, you know, I had, I guess I'm, I've really focused on looking back in my life in different areas, different time frames where I felt very confident um, in myself, because as dad had said, I um, definitely used alcohol um, as a means um, to deal with emotions. And for a while, it was a pretty good solution. Um, and then it became just a horrible solution. It was life or death, to be honest with you. And, um, you know, that's something that I have to remind myself daily when I look in the mirror um, that that cannot, substance uh, cannot be a part of my life. Um, but <clears throat> I, I go back to times when I know that I was courageous, um, when I know that I was grounded, um, when I was doing the right things, and uh, I've been able to channel that energy. Um, talking about you know my military experience, for one, uh, bring in one example that I use to channel good energy, you know, um, is, when I was, I'm not even sure I shared this with you yet. Um, when I was in Iraq, one my very actual first mission um, with a platoon was uh, I was a medic, you know, on the platoon, and we were going out to do um, just a routine peacekeeping mission. And uh, I was stationed uh, at a little fob called um, Camp War Eagle, which there's actually a book written about, which is pretty phenomenal. I read that recently with my husband. It was great and very um, therapeutic. Um, but uh, it's right outside of Sadr City, which is um, right outside of Baghdad. And uh, we came across a mass casualty. And um, that was, uh, okay, here we go. This was, you know, I was a little... Um, E3, <laughs> very young in my career, and uh, thankfully at that time there was a medic that was uh, with special forces for a short period of time during the deployment, and uh, we got out and he went over to someone that was severely injured, and um, I was handed a baby that wasn't breathing, and um, I remember putting the baby down, and uh, I remember just, you know, like having this out-of-body experience and looking up at know, the other medic and kind of feeling that chaos around you. And I just really didn't want to be there. <laughs> I really did not want to be there. Yeah. But I went towards that training. You know, the military, our military is number one <laughs> because we train and train and train. We practice and practice and practice. And, um, and good units and good leadership, you practice is 
though you're actually there, you're doing it. Um, and so everyone knows what their job is, what their responsibility is when things happen. And, uh, so I just said, okay, I think really, I think that this was the first practice of understanding that my breath was able to calm me down, Mm -hmm. you know, now looking back on it, um, because that's what I did. I took a deep breath. I paused and I looked over at the other medic and I looked down at the baby and as I started doing things, I looked back up and I said, do you need anything else? You know, I was able to communicate and work and it was just, um, after that moment, I really knew, okay, I'm pretty sound in um, traumatic, you know, um, events and um, emergency service events. I'm very, uh, I become a leader in that. That's just a talent that I've been, you know, it was bestowed to me. Nothing that I think I really, of course, you work at things, but anyhow, breath really became something that I knew, but I couldn't, like, intuitively I knew, but um, cerebrally, Am I saying that right? Cerebrally, I couldn't. Yeah, you didn't have the vocabulary no, yet no. to, to say, oh, this is why I'm doing this. But no. you just knew intuitively, okay, I need to take a breath to calm myself and right. be grounded for this you know, situation that is here. And yeah. later in Afghanistan, I went back to that breath when I had the yoga mat. There were times in my hooch <laughs> by myself and there were two other women um, on this camp with me. One was my soldier, so there was no way I was at that time who I was, was not going to share my true feelings, what I was really going through, um, you know, for many different reasons. Again, I thought that that was being strong, not sharing mm. my fear and um, anger. You know, it was just... Um, not how I feel now, but it was a, it was a tool then that I used, I suppose. But and then the other woman, she was always busy. Um, she was an intelligence officer, so I would really I had to coax myself to go to bed. I thought I was not going to wake up. Mm. Um, I had so much anxiety, um, and I just would feel my heartbeat and lay there and pray really and just listen to my breath and you know again I didn't know what I was doing um yeah you were doing everything very intuitively and then when you started to practice yoga were there little light bulbs going off going oh my gosh I've been doing this this whole time yes yes absolutely along the way and I at first yeah I just knew I felt so good I had need you know I needed to go back um and I wanted to um I found people that gave a lot of the philosophy and it wasn't simply just um, a workout too Mm -hmm. um, and really taught the practices of pranayama, of breath work. Um, Yeah. And so, I mean, you sound like you're very in touch with these tools before you even had that vocabulary to work with. But um, this is one of our missions through Tribe is to bring these tools to active military. So can you speak a little bit on how you think that that could actually have been different shaping mm-hmm. your experience being, um, um, you know, being deployed and being active service member. Absolutely. Um, so as I said, you know, just even that first mission, um, and, and taking it back. So 
you know, <laughs> we may be told, okay, we're having this mission, you know, next week, um, this big mission, we need to prepare for this, but no one really knows. There may be, you know, a few people, and typically those people are not anywhere located on the camp that you're at. So even your commanders, you know, and um, enlisted personnel, um, you know, they, they don't maybe know exactly what's going on. Um, however, you know, a lot of the missions you do, and a lot of the missions are um, uh, public relations, you know, um, winning the hearts and minds and trying to um, change a culture, you know, which is what we're trying to do with Tribe. Yeah. Um, so the unknown, um, really having a lot of that unknown. And I think um, if, you know, I, if... I had had the practice of meditation and the practice of um, understanding how the breath can, you can move within your breath or with alongside and together with your breath. Um, it would have been easier to accept the unknown because that is a lot of what you go through in the military um, from basic training to your individual um, school training and then getting to your unit. You don't know what PT is going to be. And if you're someone that, um, really struggles with T PT, particularly running. When you're in, I was um, uh, in the 82nd Airborne, and there's a lot of running you do in that unit. Um, my very first PT session was actually a seven-mile run, and Dad, you know, was a ultra runner, and mm -hmm. um, so running was a part of my life too. Mm -hmm. But um, I hadn't kept with that running practice. So, again, another skill that I was given was, you know being a good runner, but that distance and that pace of running, you know, really, um, really scared me. And so my mindset, all this negative limiting thoughts, um, would kind of, uh, like fail me, I guess, before I even had a chance to allow my body and mind to, um, to try, but geez, breath is so important. And it, if we learn, if we can learn how to, control our breath, particularly when we're running, yeah. um, we can be more at ease and allow our body to continue to move or engage different muscles um, when, you know, our other muscles are fatigued. Um, it's, it's a tool that I know works, and it's a tool that I know works for many other veterans um, that I've been in touch with um, or have read, done research on. Um, and so why, why would we not want to show other people this tool that you don't have to spend money on? Yeah. <laughs> you really, truly don't. Yeah, you don't. And it can be incorporated into the PT. Correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, even I, marksmanship, weapons marksmanship, we talk a lot about, or the military talks a lot about going with your natural um, rhythm of your breath. So before you're actually firing, when you're in your mm -hmm. prone position or standing, really getting your breath um, and your body in unison, right? Mm -hmm. So we already, the military uses these yoga philosophies, but we don't quite say it's yoga. Yeah. Maybe because of the stigmas of yoga, I'm not sure. Um, but uh, so... So your teach that. your intention is just to make it a bit more um, widely accepted, even though they're kind of sprinkling these tools mm -hmm. throughout their training. You would like it to be more of a part of the culture. Um, it sounds like. 
so that they're just more readily accessible to them. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so being downrange, being deployed, um, you don't always have gym equipment, um, you know, and all you really need, you don't even need a yoga mat. All yeah. you need is a small space, which you have your little cot, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, or in your Humvee or LM, whatever the contraption is that, that you're, you know, driving in, yeah. um, that's all you need is yourself and a few moments to be with yourself. And again, it's, it's, uh, efficient, it's accessible for every single person. Mm -hmm. Um, Good. yeah, these are, these are, uh, tools that I think can ground people and they also make people, um, I believe, um, to just step outside of themselves and, um, see the much broader picture, um, not what they, you know, through their lens, which as a leader, you truly need to be able mm -hmm. to do, yeah. um, not seeing things through, you know, your lens can really, um, really be life or death for someone. And so, Stephen, I when we when we first met, I I really um, appreciated how you sat down and you said, "I'm not a yogi," but and you you listed all these things that you did. And um, what did I say to you? <laughs> Do you remember? You did. I I am a. A yeah. yogi. Yeah. yeah, you actually are a yogi, right? Because we do. We have all of these tools, and um, no, I, I I see how how the, it all goes together. Yeah. That it's just another way of coming to the same point. Yeah. You know, we all need to have a way to deal with mm -hmm. all the craziness in our lives and the stress. I mean, the stress stress kills people. It's you know, it's something that I see every day at work and dealing with the public and people are way too stressed. <laughs> you know, I'm always telling people, relax, take a deep breath. <laughs> you know, you're a guru. <laughs> and I don't think about it as, you know, I just think about it as that's been my way of life. Yeah. That's how I've coped with things, you know. Yeah, and it sounds like you've passed that on to Jessica, you know. I've tried extent. to pass it on Even to everybody before, I come yeah. come near. Yeah, yeah Dad, Dad <laughs> taught me um, to run. I know a lot of people are maybe, well, maybe people will watch this and think, taught you to run, don't you? Isn't that like something intuitively? But um, Dad it's, did. It's a technique. Yes. It's an art. It's yes. definitely it an art. Yeah, he I'm sure. would take me out and we'd go run like a mile and uh, around the neighborhood and then he'd drop me off and he'd speed Continue. away. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm done. This is my warm up. Yeah. But it was always like focused on my breath yeah. and uh, my yeah. posture. Your breath, your posture, yeah. being relaxed. Yeah. You know, not, not having tight, be tight and yeah. to flow, you know, to have your arms flow. It's, you know, it, it definitely yoga is, you know, all the, it's, they're all forms of art. Mm-hmm. And if we can, as individuals, can find a way to make our life less stressful mm -hmm. and to cope with the things that we, you know, we need to cope, cope with. I know people, you know, when you tell them, well, just deep breath or, you know, get out and take a walk, whatever you might be trying to tell them or trying to teach them. If more people would listen, actually listen, it's 
it's life changing. It's, it makes it makes us better people because we're not we're not quick to to anger and we're mm -hmm. yeah. and we think a little bit more before we say things that might hurt people and and we find ways to do whatever we do better so it's it's real important and and the first thing that people do when you try to introduce them to anything is I don't need that <laughs> you know Right. Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking that there's um, really something to, you know, what you said about um, looking at yourself. Yoga, you know, you asked me what did like yoga bring to you, I think was the question or how did it make you feel? And um, it was a mirror to my life. It, it truly was. It was a mirror to my life. And so I stopped being the victim in a lot of situations and I stopped blaming other people and um, I stopped um I I just I stopped <laughs> and I looked in that mirror and uh it it did it saved my life it truly uh it truly did and um being able to not um be so judgmental anymore um you know and to see where other people are coming from a lot of times the things that um we do to each other um you know, the other person's just hurting maybe. Yeah. And if we recognize that it's not about us always, um, we can be there to allow them to see that and heal themselves. And, and then we can learn a lesson. Um, so it sounds like this is not only very personal mission for you, Jessica, but also for you, Stephen, because you've been kind of with this mission your whole life. In a way, yeah, if, if if there's a way that I can help tribe to get get the message out to people, yeah, yeah, it's another it's another form of getting the message out. Yeah, and it it means a lot to me that people have skills and tools in order to be able to cope with their lives. Yeah. I know how how. PTSD, and I know how the stress my youngest son has, who I had adopted from Kazakhstan when he was five, so he's he's got some uh, stages of life that he never actually uh, got through. And seeing him going into the Coast Guard and all the things that he's afraid of and not wondering how he can cope with everything that he's got to cope with, you know, and and he can't, he doesn't know how to take a deep breath. <laughs> he doesn't, you know, exercise to him, he doesn't like to sweat. <laughs> he doesn't, he did it before he went because he knew he needed to be prepared. <laughs> so he's got a lot of real skills that a lot of us don't have as because he focuses on his whole life and he and he can make sense of a lot of things but something he can't make sense of is in the moment yeah. mm -hmm. you know so I see this 20 year old who has had a really rough start but I see a lot of other kids that age and a lot of people throughout their life they've just never learned to deal with
everything in the life that, and you, you can't deal with it by drinking. You can't deal with it by ignoring the problems. You know, you can't be hostile to the people around you. You, you need to find something that can, you know, yeah. can ground you. You know, it doesn't necessarily, we have these issues, we may never get rid of them, but if we can learn to cope with things in our lives and do it to, to the best possible way we can do it, then, you know, it's a better place. Yeah. And I really think that Tribe is trying to do something that could certainly help, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. And the neat thing about doing an, anything like this and making it your lifestyle is you affect other people. So, you know, I I coached a lot of cross country and track and other things throughout my life. And a few years ago, I met somebody who was one of the least runners that I coached I think you know he was the 15th runner in in a 17 uh, person team but he liked to run and I, I, I guess from what he said to me is I've been running since you coached me and he said I want to thank you for that because it's changed it it changed his life because it was something he always had, something that he could enjoy, mm -hmm. and he had gotten really good at it. <laughs> it took him years to get really good at it, but but he got really good at it, but it, it helped him, he said it helped him through a lot of real issues in his life, mm. you know, family tragedies and all mm -hmm. kinds of things that yeah. had caused, you know, he, he had that to uh, turn to. So if you change one person's life, Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's I think it's worth it and I think that what you're trying to do is very admirable and I think the skills that can be taught and the ability to do these things without spending all kinds of money because a lot of people it's always the money becomes an issue and the space and it's something that they can practice no matter where they are you know they could be on a battlefield and they could mm -hmm. Deep doing breaths. warrior twos. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Warrior. So, yeah, when, after I talked to you guys, which you're right, I had no idea. I'd, I'm probably the, the guy who would be laughing when somebody said yoga. I would be thinking, oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and I had a different feeling about it. Mm. I had a feeling like, okay, this is really good, and I... I I can tell that it's it's a real health benefit for people, but these people are way out there, <laughs> you know. But I guess not so much different than what people think about me riding yeah. a thousand or two or three thousand miles. Yeah, exactly. Where people think yeah. that oh. we're out there in different ways. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's a great thing that there's people out there like you that want to help people, first of all, and to try and develop a program and to try to 
get it out to the military, which again isn't always the easiest thing. And anything where you're on the forefront, you're on the leading edge, mm -hmm. it's difficult. So I'm very proud of you guys. I'm very proud of you. And I, you know, if I can do a little bit to help by riding across the West and, <laughs> and only 923 miles <laughs> and getting people to sponsor us and give to the tribe, then uh, I've done my I've done my part. grateful for you yes. for even suggesting this and I'm yeah, grateful for you too Jess for being the you're definitely spearheading this um, mission um, so do you have a website that if this isn't on the website if somebody's hearing this somewhere else that they can do you have a website set up? I, I do. put it in the show notes too afterwards okay yes it's Ride a Dream Ultra Cycling dot com. Ride a Dream Ultra Cycling dot com. Okay. And that's exactly what I do for three and a half days. Yeah. I ride a dream. Yes. <laughs> because after about the first eighteen or nineteen hours, all I can, all I really know what I know is that I'm uh, pedaling the bike, <laughs> <laughs> and somebody else is yeah. doing everything else for me. So, yeah. So we came up with Ride a Dream. I love it. Yeah, and we can we can definitely follow you through your training and um, and when you go when you're actually out on June 11th. Correct? Yes, um, yes. 2019. So we'll put that all in the show notes, and then once we um, have all of our information up for tribe, it'll be directly linked with, through that website. So um, thank you so much for both of you for being here today and and sharing your story, being a vulnerable and. Um, and I think this is a really beautiful mission that you're both kind of getting to be a part of and creating together. And yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for us. the time. And, yeah. and thank and you, Dad. Thanks for calling me a yoga, yogi. <laughs> <laughs> you are. So if we'd like to close this session together, we can bring our hands to our hearts. <laughs> and we can om if you'd like. No, that's or not Or we can just say we'll namaste. Just say namaste. <laughs> namaste. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We hope you enjoyed our time with Jessica and Stephen. And if you want to learn a little bit more about Tribe, you can go over to our website, nomadalwaysatom.com backslash tribe2. And if you're interested in learning more about Stephen's race and his cause for raising money for us, for Tribe, you can go over to his website, riding a, ride, sorry, rideadreamultracycling.com. And his information should be up there soon if it's not already up by the time this goes out. And we'll also have direct links where you can donate. If We'd be super honored if you even consider donating um, for this cause. Again, Tribe, we teach resilience, increase balance and endurance. And this is to bring the tools of yoga to the military community. Um, that's specifically for active duty and their families, because we understand the challenges and sacrifices each individual faces in order to serve. So our purpose is to improve the soldier's retainability, physically, mentally for the individual and systemically for the collective community. 
Um, if you are a part of that community or you have a, you know, have it in your heart to understand the reasons why this is so important for not only the community, but for us all collectively, um, please consider to, no to donate. We want to get these tools as best as we can to this military community. So have a wonderful, wonderful week and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks.